Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash Wondery and use code Wondery for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash Wondery, code Wondery. This podcast is supported by FedEx. FedEx offers fast delivery, more visibility, simple returns, and weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. population on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. With FedEx, you get picture proof of delivery, ensuring you always know where your package is. Returns are simple with packageless and paperless returns. Plus, FedEx Ground is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. So, what are you waiting for? See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx. Welcome to the Nerdist Podcast number 661. But now let's go to the Nerdist Community Cookboard. Our friend, who's been on At Midnight a bunch, uh, Denver comic Adam Caton Holland, who is hilarious, has a new album out called Backyards. You can get it now on iTunes or, or on Amazon. Charlie Hone. I think it might be Hane. It's H-O-E-H-N. Charlie, I'm sorry I butchered your last name. He has a book out called Play It Away, A Workaholic's Cure for Anxiety by Charlie Hone. And he says, it's based on the viral blog post I wrote, How I Cured My Anxiety. Uh, it's been the number one result on Google for cure anxiety for the last two years. And it's been helping college kids who suffer from burnout, anxiety, severe depression. He's working in military bases around the country. And uh, I have not personally read the book yet. Uh, but... You listen, if you could pick even one thing up from it to help with anxiety, I would say it's worth it. Or even if it just distracts you from anxiety as you read it. Uh, but it seems very promising, so pick it up on Amazon right now. Uh, thank you, Charlie. Uh, you're doing very good work there, helping folks with the, with the anxiety and the panics. Now, um, listener Claire, she did not give a last name, has created a group called Nerdist Scouts. Uh, she says it started as an art project that turned into an interactive group that I am pr- uh, the proud den mother of. Much like traditional scouting, members can earn merit badges for learning new skills that will help them in their favorite fantasy world. And her goal for Nerd Scouts is to have it grow into a worldwide community. So go to nerdscoutshq.com and uh, see what it's all about. Get some type of merit badge. Why don't you? A bunch more shows coming up on the Fun Comfortable Tour I'm in Minneapolis right now. Uh, those shows were super fun, and we went to a place called Glam Doll Donuts afterwards and uh, did a meet-and-greet there uh, so the venue wouldn't have to stay open until 2 in the morning. But we got donuts and took... The donuts are amazing. If you're in Minneapolis, go to Glam Doll. Uh, got to see a bunch of people, and April Richardson and I had an... Am- we had donuts for dinner. We had an amazing time, so thank you. Uh, more dates are coming. Madison, Wisconsin is tonight. Uh, that show is sold out. A bunch more shows are selling out on the road. So go to funcomfortabletour.com to get uh, all the info on that as well. This episode is Adam Carolla. I don't know why I have to do it that way. It doesn't even really sound like him, but uh, that's my <laughs> that, that is the extent of my impression skills, uh, at least with Adam. This is the fifth time Adam's been on. Adam and I have known each other since 1995. Oh, man. Those are like old people years when you're like, I've been friends with this guy for 20 years. We were both adults then. We're in we're adults now. But uh, he has a new movie out called Road Hard, which is uh, about a comic's life on the road and trying to uh, maintain a relationship. And it is shockingly accurate. A lot of the 
a lot of the bits about being on the road. It's also funny. So go to roadhardmovie.com, uh, which is available on iTunes and Amazon as well. And uh, uh, But right now, here's the Nerds Podcast number 661. Uh, with the, and I, mean, I have to say, Adam is, when I first started podcasting, I had been putting it off for a couple years because I thought, oh, i got to produce a show. It's got to be a big deal. And then when Adam left radio and started his podcast and I went and did it, I was like, oh, yeah. I could just talk to people like human beings. So it was uh, going on Adam's the first week of his podcast was very inspiring for me to start the Nerdist Podcast. So that's exactly what we're going to do now. We're going to start the Nerdist Podcast. Katie, start the thing. Now entering Nerdist.com. Welcome to the pod. I actually did see the movie. Oh my god! I, I, I'm, the reason I said that is because it's it's a it's such a it's a never ending chore in this town getting anyone to watch your anything. And I I have a like I look for the dynamic like the psychodynamic behind everything <laughs> because I keep thinking why is it so hard to get people to watch an 87 minute comedy yeah especially when most of them are in comedy yeah and i've come to the conclusion that they think it's gonna suck (laughs) and they would rather not see it and go oh man i've been on the road or like i've been really slammed but i'm gonna watch it this weekend then watch it have it suck and then have to kind of look down at their shoes right when they talk to you. No, I, I watched it, and it was great, and, uh, and it was uh, chilling in a lot of ways because it, the portrayal of, of life on the road is uh, shockingly accurate. I mean, to a level of... I don't know if most people who are not on the road... I mean, I think they would enjoy it just because, like, oh, it's just these kind of bummer things that happen on the road. But having been on the road for a long time... It uh, and, and, and especially at a time when I remember not being able to like fill a room. Oh, it's just it, it, yeah. Just because everything about it just reminds you like you're not doing well. <laughs> you know, like people treat you like they basically treat you like a like. Uh, hey, get up there and dance around so we can sell chicken nuggets. Yeah. Oh, fingers, but yeah, or, or te- <laughs> chicken tenders as we uh, as we figure out in the movie. Chicken tenders. Yeah. Yeah, I wanted. I I don't. I didn't feel like there's any like real road comedy movies. There's like a lot of stand up specials, and then like a lot of more stylized stuff, or a lot of like Sally Fields as a housewife, and Eddie Gordetsky writes all the jokes, you know. But like, I I didn't feel like there was one that was like a road, like the, the. where where the comedian was on the road, and that's all they do is the road. So I just thought uh, it made sense, and also it was a little slice out of my own life. I, oh, it's easier to write, you know, that way. Do, do when you have a guest on, how many do you guys do? Five shows a week now. Mm-hmm. So when you have when you have guests on, obviously they have movies and stuff and TV shows and stuff. Do you are you able to watch everything? Yes, I do, and you know. The thing that I've learned, and and um, I mean it's a it's a 
it's a, I'm going to do what you're doing. Lean back with the microphone. Yeah. On the, yeah. Um, well, here's what I've learned, and and I'm 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 putting this out there to like any of the uh, young or old or middle aged people that are thinking about <laughs> getting into podcasting or any 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 form that involves an interview. Um, we've all done those radio tours where you talk to 32 TV stations in a morning mm-hmm. or 32 radio stations from 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. and whatever it is. They're moderately soul-crushing. Right. And at the end, and, and you're talking to, you're, you're going to markets you never heard of, cities that have no functioning government. Like, you're like, what? <laughs> like, what? There, there's what? There's a good morning where DeKalb does anyone live in DeKalb Illinois <laughs> you know they have they have a good morning show and you're doing it you're doing it and you realize like I always say if you do like 36 stations at the end I'll always turn to the publicist or whoever booked it and I'll go I think four of those people saw the movie <laughs> or maybe four of those people skim the book right and they're just they just don't do it and then when you do the Tonight Show, Jay Leno comes down, and he saw the movie. Right. And Jimmy Kimmel comes down, and he saw the movie. Like, that's part of Jimmy Kimmel's homework. Right. He, he does it at that level. But the guy who's in market, you know, 457 can't find time in his busy <laughs> non-day to watch your 84-minute comedy. Right. And you realize there's a reason why those guys are those guys, and then these guys are doing Good Morning DeKalb, and it drives me nuts. Now, I don't know if you're aware of this, but Jay Leno's not doing The Tonight Show anymore. Did you know that he oh, left? Oh, yeah, I know. I, I mean, that, I know, but I still call a trash can an ash can. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a very... I'm old school. That's, kinda, that's, an old, that's a grandpa thing to say. Yeah. The ash, the, the old ash, ash can. The old ash can. Go down to the filling station... Get some soda pop and some new tennis sneakers. You know, maybe there was some. Uh, maybe, maybe, maybe I could. Maybe I should talk to you uh, more about the movie off the podcast, so I don't give anything away. But I do have. I did notice some interesting things about it because there were certain times in the movie where I like. Of course, you're rooting for you as the protagonist, but then other times you're like, "Well, he's such a sour piece of work that it's like." Like, how many guys do you know that you know, you know, it's like, God, that guy's so funny, but then so sort of destructive, and ah, I hate everything, and ever I should be this, and I should have that, and that person. I mean, there's, there, was, there was sort of some of him where I felt like, oh, you're, it's, some of it's your fault because you have a bad attitude. Yeah, I, you know, I, I don't like movies generally where, you know, the bad guy's just evil for being evil. Like, you know, he's walking down the street and he passes a dog and he just kicks it. Right. You know, it's like I I like movies where if the guy kicks the dog is because he, he made 20 bucks and he's an evil enough guy to take 20 bucks to kick a dog. <laughs> but like not just kick a dog. Right. Like, I course. hate the the evil for just being evil sake. Right. And, and I, I don't like good for just good sake. Like I because I, I, no one is that way. You know, yeah. people sort of have their good days and bad days and nuances and they're caring, you know, he, my character's a douchebag to the nice perky blonde who's behind the counter at the, at the hotel, but she doesn't know what went on the night before. Right. And what I'm dealing with, you know? And so, so like, hopefully the audience goes, well, he's being a douche to her, 
But we do have a context for it because he just got kind of stiffed at the club, you know, the night before. But I, I was trying to, like, it's a weird fine line where, I, where you know, I, where, where you're, you're like, you're rooting for the guy, but you're not sure why. And then there's plenty of things that, like, probably make him human in there, which was, which was fine with me like he's a comedian you know he's he's fucked up was any was was the uh, and obviously there's a huge um there's a huge arc in the movie about <laughs> the, the the nature of the entertainment business and uh and how it's nice to have something else to do that's not that so that you don't go crazy yeah i i i wholeheartedly you know the people that are living and dying every day with the business, I, I feel bad for them. But also, what I was trying to convey that you were getting into was the fact that people... Somebody's yelling at someone outside. There's literally just like dudes standing outside the window just arguing about stuff. That's all right. Oh, just people know. It's, it's how, it's, 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 that, that's, that's how you know this I tell you, that is Adam Carolla. Synthesized, yeah. Um, the... The part where we all know people that are super, super funny but can't make a living or can't thrive or flourish in this town. Like, everybody, every comedian or professional writer or anybody you know who's successful in this business, if you ask them who are the three funniest guys you know, they would name three names that you never heard of. Right. And then they would explain that they're living at their in-laws place and they're managing cabins right now <laughs> that are like off the Ohio river. And you're like, why isn't, if he's funnier and they would go, oh, he's funnier than me. But I always say that there's the sort of, because I like car related stuff. I, I always say it doesn't matter how much horsepower your engine has. Cause we all know guys with like a 500 horsepower engine, but they can't get it to the rear wheels. Like they can't convert it into something, you know, like super funny engine, but no, the tires aren't turning. If they are, they're just burning out. Well, know? yeah. I mean, there's a, there's a, uh, I've said, I've said this a million times that you, when you meet people, you're like, God, this guy's so funny. What's going But then if you spend any amount of time with them, you start to see like, okay, they're self-destructive. Okay. Or they're kind of shitty to people or right. they don't allow themselves. Like there's something, you know, I'm not saying it's all their fault, but there are definitely personality. Um, uh, there are definitely personality uh, traits that if they were altered would probably work better in their favor. Yes, they just they just can't get out of their own way. Like they just can't not do whatever they're doing to themselves constantly. Is that part of the package of being that funny? Do you think of being a little a little off your rocker? I I think part of these guys. There's there's a couple things. I think I think a lot of it is like comedically they're like natural like really gifted athletes who don't really have to practice as hard as everybody else like jimmy kimmel's a guy who's funny but he's also a guy who treats it like he's the slowest whitest guy on the field mm -hmm. and then so he's gonna just run routes long after everyone goes home from the practice facility like he's gonna keep doing it right he doesn't and then then there are other guys, I don't know, you know, Randy Moss, Terrell Owens. Like, they're, they're like, I'm 6'5". I have a 40-inch vertical leap. What am I doing 
practicing. I don't need to. I don't need to practice. Right. And these guys, I think there's a part of them that feel a little superior because they're they're really smart and they're really gifted, but they don't realize without the dance and without the practice and without the game and without the people in the room liking them, it just never <laughs> goes anywhere. And then they get older and they get bitter and you, you know, and they always do something like. And then what happens is, like, guys like you and me who might be able to give them an opportunity give up on them at a certain point. Like, we all know that guy where it's like, I set him up with this meeting, I told him what to do, and he just went in there and did something completely. (laughs) Or didn't show up. Or he didn't show up. Yeah, I had a friend who's like, I was going out to Boston. He was, like, living with his in-laws in Boston. I was playing the House of Blues, and it's a big House of Blues, like 1,200, 1,300 seats, and it was sold out, and he's like, can I open for you? And I was like, I don't really, I never have anyone open for me, but cool, if it's 12 more, 12 less minutes I got to do or whatever, and he, he, does a, he does a guitar act, and he's super talented and super funny, and I just saw him, and I just said, Josh, here's your three songs. Do do these three songs. They're always home runs. They're super funny. And he knows them like the back of his hand and just go out there. But three, four is too many. Just do the three. Goes out there, proceeds to open with a song I've never heard that would, now it's a four song set, but this song is like an in-between song. So nobody knows if he's like an actual oh, folk right, singer right. or he's just singing this. Uh, no one, it, cause it's, a, it's an ironic song okay. that I would know is funny, but the audience without, without is, the setup and doesn't say anything right. and just goes out there. And it's like, we just stood backstage. I just <laughs> told you what to do. And you just went, but, but you, you were begging to open for me. Right. But mental note for me, Next time I'm in the Boston area, <laughs> you don't get to open. Yeah. Did he pull it out? No. I mean, the, well, the first song was super confusing to everyone because he right. went and sat down and everyone thought, oh, maybe Joan Baez's younger brother's out there singing <laughs> about something. And then by the time he got to the third and fourth song, people were snickering, but they were trying to acclimate themselves. And then the whole right. thing was four minutes too long. And it's like, what did, we ju- what did I just say? Right. And how many times are we going to do this? Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, like people, I guess people have to find their own way, do their own thing. And sometimes, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I, I just think there's Jay Moore gives an interesting speech in the movie and he's really great in it. You, you, you haven't he's seen good. It. He's a good actor. He's a really good actor. Like he when you watch his face where he's trying to kind of break this news to me. <laughs> and it's it's that it's that speech of you know your character going but i'm funnier than everyone and he's like that has almost nothing to do with anything and your heart kind of breaks a little bit but you're like "Eh, yeah i guess maybe maybe that's true you know yeah i i i've always thought that you know jay is one of these guys that's like kind of hurt by his own ability because he can do all the voices and the stand up and the sports talk radio and all this stuff uh he gets you know the, you know if you if you wear too many hats in this business from a performance standpoint it'd be like well you know Michael Michael Jackson is you know the king of 
pop, but he also he, he does some country western, and he also does <laughs> some reggae. Like it's like it's not going to help. Just keep doing pop and do more of it. Right. You, you know it, that. Jay Moore is one of these guys that's like almost a little too talented for his own good. He can just kind of slip into anything and do whatever made, he does. It kind of made me wish like someone would just go, oh, I'm going to put him in some weird indie drama and just show people, you know, just remind people what he's capable of. Because he's just was really good. I'm like, God, I, I kind of want to see him act in something for longer. Yeah, he he is good, and I I knew he'd be good, and I and I was trying to make his character, which is sort of like Jimmy Kimmel's character, or Jimmy Kimmel in real life. But I was trying to make him into somebody that was like a little douchey, but like tough love, but also kind of trying to help, yeah, like by just being truthful with his old pal, and and also trying to give him a job, yeah. That seemed insulting to me, but to him, it was like, "Here's this a good job. Why, yeah. why won't you take this job?" You know, yeah. I, I loved. I, I every time that scene, I see that scene. I just watch his face trying to. Like, I can tell he doesn't want to do what he's about to do, but he's going to do it anyway. Is there any of the dynamic? Does it mirror any dynamic that you ever had with Jimmy? No, I've always, you know, I've always had a kind of relationship with Jimmy where. There were times in my career where I was having more success than he was, and then there was a long time when he was having more success than me, but it never affected our relationship. What it, what it, how it affected me is other people constantly going like, oh, man, geez, that's got to be rough, right, with Jimmy, you know, doing <laughs> you mean, all this thing. They're basically, they're, they're directing the emotion they want right, to solicit. Right, and I'm You've like, got to be upset about it. I mean, tell me that you're not. Right. I'm sure you're, well, if you're, if you're so sure, why are we even having this conversation? But it's like, you know, it's like you're talking to, you know, it's like Alex Borstein is standing next to Uma Thurman, and you're going, that's got to be rough, right, standing next to her all day. And, like, Alex Borstein's happy. I'm using her as a shorter, squattier physique. <laughs> and she's happy, and she's like, no, I'm doing my own thing, you know? And you're like, yeah, but I wish you were tall and blonde, though, right? And they're like, no, I'm I'm fine. I like doing what I do, and he he likes and, and like, we're happy for each other. And by the way, it's nice to have friends that are really successful because they, like, buy beach houses in Cabo <laughs> at celebrity auctions for way too much and then invite you to come out and, and hang out, you know, and build barns and throw, you know, Super Bowl parties with Ben Affleck and Matt Damon. Like, I like it, you know, but the the notion in the movie it, and in real life sometimes is that somehow I, I got to feel I feel bad about it. Right. You know, like, oh, man, that sucks. I wish he was in Tampa doing midday so I could feel better about myself, which is insane. Yeah. And a lot of the time. You know, I find that um, people don't have a rational comparison chart in their head where you go, look, whether or not that guy had that show, that doesn't mean you'd have it. You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) it doesn't mean you were next. You know, it's like it kind of reminds me of the same thing that people do. Like if you hear, uh, I don't know, if if someone's if someone hears like, uh, uh, oh, 
Emma Watson got married. And they're like, oh, man, she did? Fuck. She's no. off the market now. It's like, yeah, you aren't yeah. next in line. Oh, yeah, all the girls were like, Clooney's married. And they snapped their pencil. <laughs> all the, the chicks with the big arm fat just snapped their pencil. They're sitting at the temp job at the desk, you know. Damn it. He's off the market. Son of a. So it. Def- he was going to eat my pussy this weekend. This weekend, <laughs> we're going to his lake, Lake Como this weekend. So we're getting my pussy. Lake Como is going to be Lake Como, oh, but it's not it. anymore. Damn it. Not for me. Yeah, no. I, it, that's, that's the, see, the sad thing is, is the way people are wired is it's not that they think, oh, you would have that job. It's just somebody you knew is having more success than you. And it reminds and thus you must be angry or bitter at them. Because the, the, essentially the back of that other person is a mirror. And what right. people are seeing is, you know, oh, it's not happening. Like, it's reminding them that it's not happening. But I think I, I, I'm competitive in the way where I think there's a good, healthy way for, for competition to exist, exist which is it's not that uh, toxic, like, God damn it, if I can't, then no one. It's right. like, all right, that's great. Now I wonder... It just motivates me to work harder or motivates me to try something new or go, okay, well, that person's doing that, so I'll do this or I'll, you know, I'll stay, I'll work longer hours to try to make this happen as opposed yeah. to the the thing that, of course, we have a tendency to do, which is, God damn it, oh, man, I'd never, ah, oh, fuck everything, and then just, you know, light yeah. your career on fire. The only time it ever does, like, I feel, the only time I ever feel like the little stitch in the rib is when, like, a week ago, maybe a week and a half ago, I get this, uh, like, note from my assistant, and he's like, Entertainment Weekly wants to talk to you. And I'm like, finally, finally, those guys are going to recognize what we've done. We've raised $1.5 bucks through crowdfunding we made a funny movie and finally we're going to get a little credit for it because they never i'm never on their i i they never talk you know they'll do a story on like crowdfunding yeah but they'll just talk about everybody but me yeah i'm not sure why but that's just kind of the way it goes with them and oh i think i know i mean they've hated me for like a since uh since (laughs) since when the man show ended they kind of went, well, now that com- now that Jimmy Kimmel's made his ill-fated trip into late night and Comedy Central's performed a Corolla-ectomy, <laughs> we finally have two new hosts for the show, which pissed me off to no end because uh, Comedy Central never performed a Corolla-ectomy. But, um, but now, now Entertainment Weekly wants to talk, and I'm like, good. They're, they, want, they want a story about crowdfunding and my new comedy, Road Hard, and blah, blah, blah. And I was like... They're doing a feature on Jimmy, yeah, and they're talking to people from his. And I'm like, oh, the timing was just fucking horrible for this one. I do, I, I know, I know that stitch because for the longest time it was always, you know, or at least early in my career, I guess maybe like five or six or eight years into my career, it was always, you know, about Jenny, Jenny McCarthy, and Jenny uh, McCarthy, the <laughs> ultimate foe. <laughs> not a, I mean, not you know, like, and we didn't have any. There was no toxicity between us or anything, but it did. It did always kind of like ah, you know. And I think it was one of the things that motivated me to like to focus and work yeah. hard. Me like because I don't like the way this feels, and I also see I don't want to end up in a pit of 
misery and 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 bitterness because I allowed myself to get overtaken by that. Because at a certain point in your, you know, at a certain point in your life, it's you probably, you know, like if you're if you're 65 and you've been bitter for 40 years, then you probably should think about something else. Yeah, I well, see, I had it for a while, and and and. And sporadically with Jimmy and Dr. Drew. <laughs> oh, that's right. So I'd, I'd, it'd be like Rolling Stone wants to talk to you. And I'm like, ooh, Rolling Stone wants to do what, a feature on the podcast? They're doing a thing on Dr. Drew. <laughs> I'll tell like, you. And then the next one would be, yeah, you know, uh, Wall Street Journal wants to talk. I'm like, oh, they're doing something on the movie? No, they want to talk about Jimmy. <laughs> <laughs> for, for me, I noticed a. Uh, I noticed a paradigm shift in my career, and I actually took this as a huge... I took this as a win. Uh, when I started working for G4 in 2007, 2008, the did you fuck Jenny McCarthy question stopped, and, and then people started saying, did you, did you fuck Olivia Munn? Like, I was like, I've survived. Wow. There's a whole new other person that people are asking me about now, but this is... At least we've moved on. I had a person... Uh, nay. The answer was no to both of those. Buddy. Oh, why couldn't you let me just enjoy? I'm that so for sorry. A little bit I longer. Apologize. I, didn't mean I had uh, this witch from like I don't remember if it was Men's Health or Wall Street Journal or something, but she was doing a feature on Dr. Drew, and you know she's going, you know, what's he really like, and how long you guys, and you know, is it true that blah blah blah. And at some point, this is about, God, it's like six, seven years ago, she goes, he's got three shows on TV. I go, yeah. And she went, you don't have any. How does it make you feel? <laughs> oh, that like, sucks. What the fuck kind of journalism is this? Well, the problem with that kind of a question is that it's very leading, mm-hmm. that, she's, that, that that person's trying to, to, to elicit a certain response. Yeah. And so when you answered annoyed, it allows that person to fill out the narrative that they were leading you toward and right. not like, I'm annoyed that you would say that to a yes. person. <laughs> yes, not that he has three shitty... shows that yeah. you're asking, yeah. that you're actually How phrasing it. How does that make you feel? Yeah. Like, I thought we are just going to talk about his three shows and yeah. maybe we could get together and brainstorm on a fourth for him that he could like, it's called Dr. Drew Sleeps and we just put a <laughs> nanny cam on him and it's just count how many times he rolls over. But she's like, how does that make you feel? It was like, oh. I just swiped your nuts with a cheese grater. Tell me, what are you feeling right now? I'm curious. How are you feeling? Yeah. How do you feel? Oh, I mean, it's, it's a, it, it, it is not, uh, it, it, how did you respond? I wasn't douchey about it. I was just, just like, you know, it's fine. Like I never, I, I've, I've, I've I've never really you know for me a couple you know everything is gravy for me I'm I'm you know I'm way ahead of where I'm supposed to be in life and then I was doing a syndicated morning show at the time and making plenty of money and like fine and wasn't 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 I I you know it's just like bad driving like I don't take it personally that the person just cut me off like he has a vendetta or she right. has a vendetta against me. I'm just like more interested in the person. Like I see child seats in the car. Like, is this how you drive all the time? Like, how do you get through life? Like it's, it's, it's a little less, like I don't really internalize it. I'm more like, how's this, how's this going for you? And how are you gonna, 
you know, join the cast of 60 Minutes with this <laughs> shitty attitude well, of yours. Yeah. It's, Good luck with Bono. It definitely, uh, it definitely seems that a lot of people feel that everything that happens is a personal attack on them. And uh, the truth is, it, it's, you know, and this should be a relief to people. Um, 99% of the things in the world are not personal attacks on you. Like, they just, no. things happen. Other people are thinking of their own shit. They're not thinking about you. That you know, they probably did something to inadvertently fuck you over while they were upset about being inadvertently fucked over themselves. It's just this weird human centipede of yeah <laughs> of misery. No, that- I I mean, look, even like terrorist attacks aren't personal. Like it's just whoever's in the mall or in the right. airplane or wherever, you know. Yeah. Like they just need individuals, right. you know. I don't. I I learned. A long time ago, like age nine, like don't internalize whatever any everyone else is is doing. Like I, I I've 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 I, I did. I remember I remember one time in the very beginning, I I went to like a Rite Aid or a Costco or I think it was a Rite Aid. It's like I, like like one of those Save On Rite Aid whatever places, and I was with Jimmy. And I ran into a guy who was from my own, my old troupe, like my Acme improv troupe. And he's maybe a couple years younger than me, nice looking. He was kind of like, oh, this guy's going to be the guy to break out. But I kind of broke out. I was all over MTV and everything at the time. And I ran into him and he's like, hey, man. I was like, oh, hey, man. And I introduced him to Jimmy or whatever and he was like what are you up to what are you doing these days and I'm like oh I'm doing a radio show and doing a show on a MTV and he's like oh well good for you and uh, you know had a little exchange and then went our separate ways and we're we're walking out Jimmy's like oh that guy he knows what you do. He, <laughs> he saw you on TV. He knows you're on MTV. He knows about Love Line like he was just he didn't want to give it up. He and, was posturing. And, yeah and I was like oh you think so? And he was like, "Oh, definitely." And I was like, "Oh, I, I didn't know where I I just had it completely at face value." <laughs> and I don't know who was right in this equation, but the point is, is like, it didn't bother me, and I didn't read into it. I just assume he didn't have basic cable, yeah, or or whatever. He didn't stay up at night and listen to the radio, or like I never thought for a second that because that's not a tactic that you would employ ever, so it wouldn't occur to right. You, well, I uh, wouldn't do it to somebody else, right. so I wouldn't think it, it would happen to me. But it is, it is one of those things where either it's happening or it's not happening, and we'll never know if that's what he was doing or not doing. But why not just take the path where you assume that he didn't know and that he's not being sort of spiteful and right. petty and what have you, and then just go about your way. <laughs> like why, why assume, you know, it's like, every, you know, every time you go to a restaurant, you could just assume that the, that whoever's cooking your food shot a snot rocket into it, but, right. or you could never think about it and just enjoy your meal. Yeah, and the truth is almost irrelevant. <laughs> it, it really is. You're not going to know, and it's probably much better. 
it's probably much better. It's a good metaphor. It's much better to assume that life is not shooting snot rockets into your pot roast. A- and if you order things like nachos, it's actually better for you with the snot rocket. Yeah, it helps a little it's bit. Healthier. It helps a little protein. The, the consistency of the cheese. <laughs> it mixes in there. You think it's jalapeno. It's fine. Just from a pure like, if your doctor had a choice, would he rather Chris <laughs> eat nachos with or without snot rockets? He'd probably say, just from a pure health standpoint, yes. <laughs> I don't know. Even from a pure health standpoint, I'm not sure the math checks out on that, Adam. I'm not 100% sure that it does. I work with Dr. Okay. Drew. For All right, you listen. work with Jenny McCarthy. I know she's, she's your own kind of physician. <laughs> One of our partners was for vaccinations. That's all we know. That, that's right. Uh, but I want to talk about the crowdfunding because it's – I did you have any uh, – obviously you raised $1.5 million, so that's a, that's a huge thing. But it – did anyone give you any shit along the way? Because some, there, there is this sort of like, I think people will probably assume, oh, you probably got millions of dollars. Why don't you just pay for it yourself? Why you got to go out there and make people give you money? You know, and, and, and my answer to that with that kind of stuff, and I haven't crowdfunded anything yet, but I've had friends who have, and I kind of go like, you know, the people who donate money are grownups, and they can decide what they want to give their money to, and it's not, you know, you're not forcing anyone to do anything. Well, you know, I have a, like a couple answers. One is... Yeah, you're right. Look, whenever the Rolling Stones or Lady Gaga or whoever comes into town, they don't force you to buy a ticket. You right. can go if you'd like. And then, by the way, there's one where you get to sit up in the nosebleed seats that costs $63. And then there's one that's $3,500 where you get to sit against the stage. You know, I mean, you decide. Yeah. And anywhere in between or don't go at all. Right. Um. The, 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 my answers are few, fewfold. One is I could definitely sell some stuff and make a movie, but it's not really a – it's not an endeavor where you make your money back. Right. So you'd be pretty foolhardy as a, a parent of twins – to just like get a second mortgage on the house <laughs> or just start liquidating assets to make a movie where you're never really going to get a return on right. your investment. So no one really pays like the, and the, 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 the movie business. Like no one really pays for their own. It's not, you know, yeah, you, you, they don't. No one pays for their own movie because no one no one really ever makes any money. I mean, every once in a while you get my big fat Greek wedding, but a uh, little Miss Sunshine or whatever. Transformers. That's a different story, but nobody really. You don't get your money back. Now, what are what are the what are the mechanics of how the money works in a movie? So, this movie's out on iTunes now. I mean, I I I bought it on iTunes. Uh, oh, you did? Yeah, I did. I thought we sent it. You to did, you. but I wanted to support it. Oh God. Damn, you're a good human being. <laughs> I wonder. I didn't you're even rent lot, it. I bought it. You're a lot better than I am, Chris Hardwick. <laughs> a lot. God damn it, I'm jealous of Hardwick now. Now I got Kimmel and Hardwick. Andrew. <laughs> I'm going to pay someone. Think to, she's morally superior to me. I'm going to pay someone to pretend they're from a some type of a news outlet to call and ask you a question about <laughs> me. Um, but I, uh, uh, I'm, I'm kind of wondering, you know, saying, "Well, you'll never make that money back." You know. Wh- where does money go? How does it? I mean, I just don't understand. Okay. The well, I'll, I'll 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 break it down for you. So first off, people buy everything from Adam goes to your nice house in the Palisades and does stand up in your living room on your fortieth birthday with you and your drunken friends. Yeah. You know that's one. To 
everyone, you know, 10 people go to Phil Rosenthal's house uh, two miles from here and we have pizza and mangria, my drink, and watch it with Phil at his house in mm-hmm. his home theater. He's the guy from Everyone Loves Raymond or he's the guy who, who is the creator of that show. So the packages, or they just go... You get a Blu-ray and a T-shirt, mm-hmm. you know. So they go every they go from twenty or twenty-five bucks up to fifteen grand, depending right. on what we're doing. And right now, it's it's pay the fiddler time. So I just got back from New York and Minneapolis and Chicago and D.C. And tomorrow it's San Francisco, and then it's Portland and Seattle because those people paid right to. Watch the movie with me, and so then do a Q and A. Packages. Right? They paid. They bought a ticket for a movie that didn't exist two years ago. Right. So um, there's all the fulfillment stuff that goes on, and then all the inevitable. Hey, man, I ordered an extra large, and then the, the fat guy takes a picture of himself with his gut hanging out in it, and he goes, does this look like an extra large? And then he tweets it to you, right. you know, hashtag blow yourself, <laughs> and it's like, all right, sorry, somebody <laughs> sent out the wrong, you know, and people move, and people are like, I bought a screening to the He's LA He's personalizing thing, it in that case. Yeah, it's not right. So, so there's all the fulfillment. Right. So it, it's, and, and I, don't, I don't have the exact breakdown of this, but... If you get $1.5 million, you better set aside $150,000 to fulfill. Sure. Like Blu-rays and posters and signposters and T-shirts. That's a good note, actually. Set aside. And then the person and people who have to do this times Mm 14,000. There's 14,000 people that were all promised something. Some better than others. But there's going to be a dude... Who, when I blow through, I was in Chicago on Saturday, and if I don't have dinner with that dude who paid thousands of dollars, and not you know twenty thousand dollars, but I don't know four thousand dollars or five thousand, if I miss that dude in Chicago, we're gonna pretty we're gonna pretty pissed off camper, right? Who gave five thousand dollars two years ago, and now I blow through Chicago, and I'm like, oh, I missed him, or I don't right. have time, or. He got his email got lost or something like that. So there's a very kind of heavy commitment on the you got fourteen thousand potentially like investors investors that could be pissed. So right. let's make them happy. Now, as far as the business goes, you put it up on iTunes and video, you know, video on demand and and blah blah blah. Uh, you know, you open and like 11 theaters or whatever you, you, you spend X amount on, you know, what they call P and a just advertising and stuff just to let people know, Hey, it's at this theater. It's at the sunset Lemley five or whatever, which is where I'm heading after this, but to fulfill more stuff, <laughs> but, um, you know, the theaters like you, you, whatever you made, that weekend, you get half of it. Okay. So you split it with whoever owns the theater. And by the, by the time you end up covering the advertising and whatever you put into getting people into that theater, you basically just kind of break even uh, on the wash. theater. It's kind of a wash, but you do it to say we had a theatrical release. Right. And then when Showtime or HBO or... 
you, you know, Comedy Central comes calling, you can say, well, we had a limited theatrical release. So that that's almost just doing it for the sake of, of saying you're doing right. it. Uh, when it comes to, to like, um, Xbox and, you know, and, and, uh, Amazon and, and all that kind of stuff. It, it comes in in like dribs and drabs, you know, a few grand here and a few grand there. And it just, it's, it, you know, it just, it just takes place. It's not like an avalanche opening weekend floodgates money comes pouring in, but it's the kind of thing where you think, well, if you can get a good enough word of mouth and you can get enough people like you and you tell your audience and your audience goes to Amazon and they see it and they like it or they go to iTunes and they see it and they like it and they tell a couple of friends, maybe at some point you get back to to even. But it, it's not it, – it's really more of like a vanity thing than it is – a business, you know. Yeah, you really. It, w- what I'm learning about the film business is that, in most cases, unless you know, unless it's a fluke, unless it's like, uh, you know, Paranormal Activity, right, uh, it costs right, nothing, right. and it got been, you know, um, it, it. You have to spend a lot of money to make a lot of money. You have to spend millions of dollars to then make millions of dollars it's i don't yeah no i mean i literally like fifty thousand independent films come out a year and you've heard of paranormal activity yeah and that's about it like that that's the game and you really you don't make any money and you you don't get anything i i swear to god for me literally the old, and, and then you spend all your time writing it and like phoning in all the favors and trying to get Brian Cranston to do the crowdfunding video and blah 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 yeah, blah I saw, blah he's blah. In a, he's in a poster in the background in one of the scenes. Yeah, trying to get Brian Cranston, who's in New Orleans, to do a quick little photo shoot so we can you know do a do a thing you know do a green screeny thing where we slide him in with my kids and make a stupid sitcom that's in a poster behind the whatever like everything from like designing the poster to sitting in a windowless room and cutting the trailer to cutting the movie like so many to the post like all this mixing and the the color correction everything it's just one huge time suck and then once in a blue moon this happened with my last movie the hammer you're just at some party or something like Helen Hunt will come up and you'll go, oh, look, that's Helen Hunt. I don't, I've never even met Helen Hunt. Like, I don't know. What are we going to talk about? And then she'll like come up and go, I really enjoyed your movie. Oh, And crazy. I go, what? And, and she'll go, I really enjoyed your movie. And I go, how did you see my movie? <laughs> and then she goes, she goes, uh, I went to the theater with my boyfriend. We both really liked it. I'm like, what are you doing? You almost want to be Raider. We're like, what? Are you? You're Helen Hunt. You're you Helen can't Hunt. be going to movie theaters you, to see my tiny yeah, independent I, film. You better pray it was a matinee, bitch, because I'm fucking. Don't you pissed. tell anyone. Don't yeah. you tell anyone what you did. Yeah, like, what? Like, uh, okay. And then uh, at some point, years Years on, you 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 interview Judd Apatow, and he's like, "I watch it with my wife. We loved it, you know." And you're like, "All right, well, I'm now paid back 
That's that's all the yeah. That's all. That's really all the payback. Feel good points you ever get is you get like three of those. So the it was the goal to basically just stay afloat to keep making movies, or do you want the movies to scale bigger and bigger and bigger, or do you want to do more I, acting? I have no thoughts about it. I I I have one movie, The Hammer, that I it was the only guy I didn't get paid <laughs> and did all the work. That had investors, and they got paid back. And so far, there's this movie where I'm the only one who hasn't been paid. <laughs> but at least we don't have a bunch of investors to pay back. And the, the, the bottom line, I think, with this whole you know, crowdfunding stuff, as it pertains to you know, art, you know, I don't think it's this way for inventions or you know, these guys that are looking for money to, you know, make a, you know, a robotic arm that works in a zero gravity environment Mm -hmm. or something. But for the ones that that are making music or films or, or art of any kind, it's really all about trust. Like, I really think that a lot of all, all the crowd, all the person that cuts you a check for 25 bucks or 125 bucks or whatever it is, whether you're writing a book or making a painting or making a movie, is they're handing it to you going, now I'm trusting you not to fuck this up. <laughs> you make a piece of shit painting or piece of shit movie, I'm going to feel like I just funded a piece of shit. Right. So I think, I wasn't thinking about it much at the time, but I think the fact that I made a movie that people liked helped make this movie. Sure. And I've always said, you know, they're like, well, you want to crowdfund your next one or how's this going to go? And I said, if people respond to this movie and, and, and feel like, and you know, I, I read the tweets it's like, Hey, gave the 25 bucks. Nice job. Feel good about myself. That's all they want. You know, they don't need any more than I trusted you and you didn't fuck me. Right. That's all they want. And if this movie, if the response to this movie continues is is positively with, with the fans and the people who paid for it as it does, then I imagine four years from now or whenever I can say to the same group, you want another movie? Because it's really like saying, I'm not going to make another movie because... I don't have a million dollars in six months lying around. Right. But if you would like to see me make another movie, then put down 30 bucks. I'll promise you a t-shirt and I'll get to work on the next one. They're almost kind of, they're kind of puppet puppeting you a little bit, which is fun. Yeah. And I think I do think, and it's, and it's kind of, you know, in a weird way, it's kind of condescending to go like, Oh, so you're just going to get everyone to pay for your movie. Like, these people feel like they're the reason the movie exists. Yeah. And it's it's true. There's 14,000 very special individuals, but it's the movie exists because of them and they yeah. like it and they come to see the the movie and they go that's we were part of, this. of me. Yeah, right. so to so as someone who has donated to uh Indiegogo Kickstarter, you know, crowdfunding uh, I know that, um, number one, it is nice to feel like, oh, I'm a part of this thing. I'm a part of this thing that was built. And I also know that there are people that I enjoy 
that I feel like I've gotten entertainment from over the years or whatever it is. And and I kind of just feel like, hey, I just want to throw something back your way, you know, like because I think I don't I, I think people do inherently kind of like a balance. And I think if you feel like, hey, you know, I kind of get this free thing all the time and, it, you know, like if I get the opportunity, I'll throw something back because then that kind of makes it even. Right. Hey, you give me this thing. I'm going to give you this because I feel like that's what's that just feels like I I need to do that. And I'm not saying I'm not saying that as in a way to guilt anyone or make them feel like they have to give anything at all, but for some people, they kind of just like to go, "Hey, you know, um, you know, you bought dinner that one time, so I'm going to I'm going to do that this time. I just want to even the score, you know? So people do like feeling that they're throwing something back your way if they feel like they've gotten free entertainment or whatever. And there's also just a kind of, I mean, to Take uh, take that thought and, and and detour it a little, but same same county, maybe different road. Feel like they're a part of something and invested in something. Like I, when Doctor Drew and I used to tour the country all the time, we play colleges, you know, and some of the colleges were free for for the students, and then some were, you know, they charge I don't know fifteen bucks or whatever it was to come see us. But I would always like kind of tell the promoter at least charge a dollar because they need to feel like they gave something. They're invested in the show and did whatever, because the freebie audience is like the ones that are checking their watch about 45 minutes in and going, well, I don't need to like how it's like when once in a while, when you go to a free movie or screener or whatever, it's so much nothing easier. It's so much easier to get up and go, "Eh, I'm not not captivated. Yeah. That's why a papered room in a comedy club can be, bad sometimes because it's like they're not invested in any way and it's like i don't right. give a shit i wasn't do i was just gonna sit at home and right so my finger it, on my butt my my whole take on the whole thing was you know I, I wasn't gonna reinvent anything i just was i was just gonna give it a try i had no idea what to expect when we started but i did do the the, the the advice I guess I would have for the people who are who are thinking about this is when you do the crowdfunding stuff, you put together like a four, four and a half minute video that's like, oh, here's what we're asking for. Right. Here's what we're doing. You know, I, I imagine if it's a young 11-year-old girl who sings and is looking to make a, an album or a demo or something, we need to hear her sing a little bit. Right. Otherwise, we don't know what we're getting involved with here. So what what I the one thing that I thought I think was smart on, on on my behalf is I realized like if I can't put together a really funny four minutes, how are they gonna trust me with ninety-four minutes? Like <laughs> that would like, be a test right there. Yeah, it's like they just had the little sampler of the summer sausage in front of the Hickory Farms, and they're spitting it out. Right. I can't get them to buy the huge kielbasa log. You're not going to move the sausage that way. Right. So I started like thinking, like, and everyone else would do this thing where it was like, here's, here's who's in my movie. Oh, here's who just dropped by. Here's what we're doing. Here's all the stuff that the movie's about, and here's, here's, here's the theme, and here's what's going on. And I just thought, get Cranston in there and have him just swear that he'd never be involved with this process at all. And it'd be funny. And people wouldn't know what the fuck the movie was about, but at least they'd know <laughs> something funny was going, was going on. And that, was my, that was my whole plan. And I think I, I think I should give Cranston definitely some credit for being pretty menchy and helping me out with that. Cranston gets enough credit. 
that guy. He got Breaking Bad. I was next in line. Yeah, yeah. If only he would have gotten into a motorcycle accident earlier that week, I could have. I could have been Walter White. I could have been Walter White. No, I would have. I could have been Jesse, but I don't think I would have been a good. Oh, job. you could have been a good Jesse. But uh, yeah, yeah, Cranston's the best. He's he, the, such a. He sweetheart. literally. He said to me when I was like, "Is your? We'll come to you. Do you have just an hour just just to knock this thing out?" And he kind of went like, he was in uh, New Mexico. And he said, well, I'm going to Toronto to shoot a movie about a lizard. But <laughs> that's exactly what he said. <laughs> but I, I guess. But I am going to be home for like two days in between, you know, you going to him. New Mexico and going to Toronto. And I'm sure the last thing he wanted to do was talk to me about my crowdfunding video. But God well, bless him. So it is now uh, it is not in podcasting time, but in actual time, it is 7.01. And I'm told that you have to go to fulfill one of these 14,000 uh, rewards at uh, the Lemley Sunset I 5. probably have about five more minutes. You don't have to. Okay. You don't have to. Hard out. I just want to. I just got. I just got a note from Katie Levine that said uh, Adam has to rap. Katie Levine, of course, brought to us by the Ace Broadcasting Network. She's a sweetheart and missed daily. But uh, yeah, I can get to the Sunset Five and you know. 11 12 minutes from here. Yeah, yeah, you'll be okay. You'll be okay. Have you? Have you talked at all about? And we can cut this out if you don't want to bring it, stew it up. But the um, sort of winning the the podcast patents stuff because you won uh, last time you were on. You were, yeah, you were... um, yeah. I mean, it's 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 like it, thank you and thank everyone who circled the wagons and got involved with this patent troll thing. Um, yeah, the 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 kind of long and the short of it is they pick on big corporations that don't really have microphones, you know, and picking on guys with microphones was probably an ill-fated choice for them because they didn't want a whole bunch of, you know, they kind of, they kind of work in the shadows and they didn't need us, the community. And I'm not just saying me, I mean, you and, you know, Mark Maron, Joe Rogan, all the people, they didn't need that kind of publicity. They don't want any kind of publicity. They right. just want to quietly go about their day suing people with super deep pockets right. and then go golf. So <laughs> when we all kind of band together and started bitching about it, they didn't like all the noise. And they started with a, you know, it's always it's always funny. Like I, I'm always curious about those people who just like, you're just standing there eating an ice cream cone and they just come up and kick you in the knee. They just, you know, just kick you right in the shin and then you punch them in the arm and they go, what the fuck? Right. And they're like, hey, man, enough with all the trash talk. And I'm like, <laughs> well, you did sue us. <laughs> For a bullshit reason. Right. So you have to expect a certain amount of, uh, of trash talk. But they basically, they got tired of hearing me and us talk shit about them and they basically you know several hundred thousand dollars into the ordeal said you know what we're gonna be nice guys and just go away oh how nice so that that was sweet and there's a a hand i don't have all the paperwork in front of me but there's there's a handful of people that were sort of indemnified 
But in general, the notion, what happened was, is they came scratching around podcasting. Like they're, they're a group of guys that just try to sniff out. You know, they're like a dog that sniffs nickels. Right. You know, like, well, come on, boy. Where are they? Where are they? Right. Where, are they? Where, are they? where are they? You know, so somebody <laughs> somebody over there saw a couple of rolls of nickels over in the podcast bush, yeah. you know, and went like, hey, what do you got over there, boy? Someone's doing something over there? Some money being made over there? What's going on over there? Hey, I've heard of this. I've heard of that guy. Let's go, let's go over there and stick around. And then they came around and they put their snout in our ivy and they basically got bit by a rattlesnake and now they're just going back over to the back to sony back to itunes back to whatever and it went like i i don't i don't expect them coming back to the podcast community for anything because a they don't see any nickels in it and b everyone's got a microphone yeah I would say it's probably less like a rattlesnake was in the bushes and like 25 macaws. <laughs> you know, just like yeah. screeching all at once. Super, super, uh, super loud blue parrots. I, I don't know. Ah, God damn, they won't shut up. You, no, no, you're right. You're right. Not a rattlesnake because a rattlesnake is silent and, 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 and noble in its and own deadly. way. And, and the deadly. Podcast, and we're just like, a bunch of... Occasionally there's like a feather rah, fly, rah. flying around i said <laughs> yeah that's just weird you're like flapping the wings flapping. jesus yeah. christ i can't even hold this thing Jeez, yeah. fucking, fucking throw oh it's shitting on me it's shitting. Damn it. it's shitting i got a beak in the face oh man that's gonna get infected i said i don't know why it always makes me laugh but when i was doing my morning show with danny bonaducci I, I called my agent at some point. Such an interesting I, I, sentence. I know, and I was like, I can't take it anymore. I mean, the guy smells of Marlboros and Axe, and he's doing chin-ups with his shirt off, and he's cowboy boots and new religion jeans and all this kind of stuff <laughs> every morning. It's like, I can't take it anymore. Like, I can't take it. And I did like Danny. Like, he's a likable guy and a great guest. It's just I didn't want to do a show with him every day, you right. know? And my my... My agent, Baby Doll, who's yeah. uh, represented in the movie. Larry Miller. Larry Miller is great. Another really good actor. My agent just said, Baby, just ignore him. <laughs> and I said, What if I just let him a call loose in your house <laughs> and just said, Move on? And, and sometimes it'd be like four in the morning and you'd open the bathroom door to take a piss and flick the light on and the macaw wouldn't be there. And then other times it'd be flapping in your face. Right. In like, true religion jeans. Could you just <laughs> ignore that macaw? <laughs> you'd open a kitchen cupboard and be standing there <laughs> flapping around. No, stop doing chin ups. <laughs> right. It's weird to see your feathered arm. Just ignore your radio. <laughs> partner that's good that's a great that's that's what you call chemistry yep just, don't even just, just pretend he doesn't exist when, when he says something you just say another thing that's or just don't stop even, talking just keep just going but barrel through just push on through soldier on <laughs> just spoken spoken like a true agent who lives 3,000 miles away and just wants that paycheck to keep coming in. Yeah. Like, eh, baby, just ignore him. Move on. I mean, if I don't have to worry about it, you don't have to worry about it. You're even near the situation. Yeah, I'm living across the street from the old Baldwin house in you live Massapequa. In a, you live in a castle chiseled out of gold. Right. Not, you, the, yeah. the walls are thick. You're not hearing anything. 
Yeah, I think he'd tell Jon Stewart to just ignore it. I don't think so. I think so. All right, so Road Hard is the movie, and it's uh, it's available. I saw it on iTunes. Uh, God, I got it on I iTunes. You. And uh, and people should see it. It's 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 a it, and. It is probably the most accurate representation I've seen of life on the road as a comic and also the audition process, which is, you know, for people who are like, you know, it's not like you're uh, building a bridge or having to lift rebar all day. It's like, yeah, no, it's not. But it's a different there's a there's a certain amount of of just like having your soul squeezed a little bit when they when people talk down to you in a room they're like perform well the the thing I'll, I'll give away a little joke because it's just an inside joke but every time you go to an audition there's like six people sitting across and 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 four of them don't need to be there but they always put a chair across the table and then when you walk in and sit down they go Oh, you're gonna sit. You're gonna sit down, and you're like, "Well, well why'd you put the? <laughs> what you, you called me into a room and you put a chair in the middle of the room, and they're a little snippy. Okay, well, oh, you know, right. no you one else, to... but that's fine, right? Because really, what you need in that situation is someone being condescending to you when you're trying to focus in this very but artificial. I, I could environment. solve this problem right now. Don't put the chair in the middle of the room if and you don't want the person to sit in it. That would solve this right away, but they always, always every do time. That. Thanks, buddy. I'm really glad you saw. No, it. man. Good to see you, Adam, and uh, congratulations on the movie, and, uh, and good luck fulfilling your fourteen thousand obligations. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Enjoy your burrito. Now leaving Nerdist.com. Enjoy your burrito. In the climate-ravaged year of 2072, the city of Pura stands as a miraculous green haven, a geoengineered paradise that protects fortunate residents from the global catastrophes of heat domes, fires, floods, and droughts. Demetria Lopez heads up Pura's public relations, tirelessly promoting the city's idyllic image. But when she stumbles upon a dark secret that, if exposed, would be the downfall of Pura's existence, she must decide who and what she is willing to protect. From Wondery, the makers of Academy and Dr. Death, The Last City stars actors Rhea Seahorn, Jeannie Tirado, and Maury Sterling. Follow The Last City on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge all episodes of The Last City early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus.